cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon and welcome to another In Conference with Michael Jackson right here on your favorite podcast platform. This is cliffcentral.com. And this is the show where you get to meet the people who I'm lucky enough to meet on my travels around the world of conferencing, both locally and abroad. People from backstage, front of house, all over the place, inspiring leaders, thought-provoking entrepreneurs. We just figured it would be nice if you got a chance to get behind the scenes with them a little bit as well. And if you're a regular listener to our podcast, you'll also know that I'm very fond of homegrown South African talent. Our guest on this particular episode is certainly ticking all of the boxes. He's an entrepreneur, a legendary sportsman. He's a character of note. Um, his name, I've just got to say it, and everybody knows instantly across Southern Africa who we're talking about. It's Mr. Corbus Visa. And that means rugby. That means Rugby World Cup 1995. It means Wiesenhof coffees. It means sports journalism. It means a hell of a lot. What does it mean to you, though, Corbus Visa? And hello and welcome. Thanks, my friend. Nice to chat to you. Corbus Visa, what does it mean to you? Does it, do you think of yourself as a legendary person now, or are you just a, no. a bloke from down the road? Thanks very much for the for the kind words, but uh, Michael, I've, you know me. I, I've I've always just seen myself as a as a regular normal person, extremely blessed, extremely blessed, um, and I could never repay uh, the the game of rugby what it's offered me, what it's what it's taught me, what it's given me, um, all the people that I've met, that I played with, played against, the coaches, uh, people like yourself that I bumped into uh, down the road. It's enriched my life and taught me a lot of things. So, no, I'm I'm the blessed one, to be honest. You know, it's so funny. I remember bumping into you, as you say, literally um, in the old 702 days. And I think we did an exercise, um, a bit of a team building thing at Loftus for Goodyear tire and rubber salespeople. And I called you at the time. Do you remember that? It was it must have been about 18 years ago. <laughs> I, I do. It was great fun. There was a lot of people on the on the pitch, and and, and we had great fun. You know, you're right. It's, uh, it, it's 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 wonderful times like that that really uh, enriches you more than you than you realize uh, at the time. Well, you know what what staggered me at the time is that we'd known each other from seven o two, and if you remember, I'd called you at the time and said, "Listen, we're getting some Goodyear rugby jerseys made," and you said, "Well, you're quite a big guy, Michael. What size are you getting?" And I said, "Well, I'm probably going to be a triple X." And you said, and I've never forgotten these words, in which case, if Canterbury are making them, get me an 8X. And I kind of put the phone down thinking, that's going to be so big on you. It was almost a tight squeeze when the 8X arrived to get it over that bloody frame of yours. You're a giant, man. <laughs> yeah, but you must know these days, most of the clothing is made in the eastern part of the world where they quite smallish oaks, you know. Yeah, then in that case, if it was Chinese made, you'd probably have had a 23 XL, I would have imagined. <laughs> I mean, it, we, you were always a big guy, I guess, from growing up, Corpus. You were kind of head and shoulders above everybody at school, I guess. Well, to be honest, in, a, in primary school, up to the, about the age of six, seven, I actually started playing rugby on the wing, and I was, I was tallish, but not a big guy. So it only started sort of popping up, uh, you know, from the age – from the age of about, I would say, 10, 11-ish or so, you know, really started growing. And then from then onwards, it was uh, second row for me in the tight five uh, uh, all the way. Yes, and really doing a phenomenal job. I mean, I, I was at a game, I think it was back in 1995, when you punched, was it Derwin Jones, the Welshman, and knocked him out cold after a scrum? 
Um, oh, you know, and I just thought we are such good friends and I, and you would never bring them. Yeah. Up. <laughs> um, I seem to recall you got quite a hectic fine in those days, didn't you as well, though? You got, wasn't it something like 50,000 well, rand you were fined or something? You're right. You know, if you, you, you recall, that we just turned the game pro uh, just after the World Cup, and, and it was the, the the dawn of the professional era. Everything was new, and and that was the first professional fine. In fact, it was fifty thousand rand, which was which is a hell of a lot of money in any day. So I was the first guy to be fined yes, in the professional era. And hey, but look, it was worth it because it was one hell of a punch, from what I remember. Well, I must say, I'm a bit of a, a bit of shame because you know, Derwin and myself are really good mates these days. He he does a lot of commentary work for BBC Wales, so we we bump into each other quite often. But not in a physical sense, I guess, anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, look, and as you know, all all rugby players are good mates with each other after the game as well, and what happens on the field happened. Um, but I mean, you've you've gone a long way beyond the field as well. You know, the stuff with your Wiesenhof cafes now. You you've got a coffee roasting factory. You're doing all kinds of really cool entrepreneurial things aren't you yeah, yeah i've always you know i've always wanted to get involved in the food trade and and uh, it, it are you reversing a truck while you're talking to me by the way because <laughs> if a truck's reversing into you it's not going to go very far corbus that's the you better tell the driver to stop now <laughs> oh anyway so i always want to get involved in the food trade and then you know my, my girlfriend at the time and now and now my wife belinda we we sort of went out on, on the, the one of our first dates and had coffee at one of those coffee shops in a shopping center in the east and you know we uh had coffee and said it's great product but there's no people and, and got this um stupid idea crazy idea at the time we, we uh, you know to make an offer to buy this and uh, she just finished her studies and and we bought this coffee shop and paid the guy every little spent we had and, and just jumped in the next morning, open up and, you know, learn the hard way, roll up our sleeves. But we were, we wanted to do it, wanted to work for ourselves, wanted to get involved in the food trade and that's where it all started. You know, it's funny, it's not too dissimilar from the story of Robbie Brosen, our old mate who started Nando's as well. Um, but I mean, you've, you've, you've got to have an entrepreneurial kind of mindset to get into that. Um, and you've not just done it, you've done it like Robbie has really, really well. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I mean, I, I don't take any credit. I give my wife all the credit in the world. I think she, she for trusting in, in, in a dream that I had and willing to, to, to roll up her sleeve and, and start working. And she's a great operator, you know, and, and if you trust in somebody like that, that they, they contribute so much to it. But you're right, Robbie, you know, Robbie's done the same thing. He had a dream. And, uh, if you, if you're willing, I think if you're willing to work, you don't have to have the experience. It does help a hell of a lot. You don't have to have uh, all the knowledge in the world, but if you, if your attitude is right, if you're willing to learn while running, and sometimes that's what you need to do is, is while you're running, you need to learn. And, 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 uh, if you, if you have a strong will and you, uh, are sometimes stubborn, you know, it also helps that you, because you're not going to be always successful if you, if you fall down and, and you crawl, you get up again and you, tr- you start all over. And that's what it takes, you know. So is it passion that really guides you and Belinda, your wife, as well? What does it take to be number one, do you think? Well, I think hard work, simple. You must be willing to learn. You must be willing to learn from others, to learn all the time. I think you must be willing to put in the hours. Nothing comes for free. Nothing is uh, overnight. You must be willing to sacrifice. Put the time in, work, just simple hard work. Uh, and then passion, you mentioned it, anything in life, sport, business, it all evolves around discipline and passion. And if you have passion, uh, there's very few things in life that you won't be successful at.
I think those people who see you as a sports commentator as well on the, on the TV channels obviously see that passion as, as I can hear it and everybody else can now coming out of you in kind of waves. Um, are you always this bloody passionate? I mean, do you, are you taking tablets for it or is it just a natural visa sunshiny disposition? My wife always says when I get excited, I start talking louder and louder, which is probably true. But uh, it's just one thing, you know, I mean, my mom used to always say, I I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And and that's probably right. You know, I believe if you want to, if you want to show people your true colors, don't be afraid to wear your heart on your sleeve. Say, speak your mind. If you truly believe in things, even if you're the only one believing it, sometimes that's what it takes, you know, uh, to prove a point. Um, Don't be afraid to show passion. Don't be afraid to show emotion. Does it still surprise you in this day and age that people come up to you at airports and when you're in the Wiesenhof or the Dolce Cafes and whatever around your businesses, and they just look at you as you are a legend in so many people's eyes? How does that make you feel nowadays? Uh, Michael, uh, as I said earlier, very uh, it, it, it humbles you. You know, I don't I don't think I am a legend. I, it's a very strong word. I think it's it's loosely used, and and I don't I I don't like be called to be called that because as I said, I owe so many so many people. I owe this sport. Uh, I can't take credit. You know, I just uh, I think it's something that um, that's it's used too loosely. But thank you for the compliment. The fact remains, I think uh, it, it's also sometimes extremely funny. I'm not as good looking out as you are. Um, oh, you're far too kind. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you, darling. <laughs> anyway, so, so the one day I remember at the airport, an elderly lady, she must have been 110 years old, probably in the shade, came up to me, but she was adamant and she walked straight to me and I've never seen her in my life before. And she, she said to me, uh, young man, I want to tell you that you're actually more ugly in real life than on television. Oh, and she turned around and walked away and I was <laughs> completely blown away. I think that's so awesome. Um, but I mean, I, I love, I love listening to you and your stories go on and on forever. And I mean, you are to me a legend and so many other people. And please take it from whence it comes in the proper sense. But I mean, you know, you, you, you've never stopped, Corbus. You've always reinvented yourself. Um, you know, I've been privileged to see you on stage now. You're speaking. You're doing all kinds of events. I mean, hey, I was a terrible rugby player. So I never, come, never tried to come into your world. And here's this bloody brilliant rugby player now or ex rugby player coming into my world. But there's room for the both of us on stages let me let me say that up front um i'm i'm delighted to be a speaking colleague of yours now as well i mean it's it is amazing are you enjoying that kind of live audience interaction when the spotlight falls on you and it's you in a live crowd rather than sports commentary or you know as part of a team the springboks or the golden lions or whoever this is you now out on stage bearing your soul yeah, I, I must say, Michael, I quite enjoy it. And, and I, I think, um, as you very well know, and you've been doing it far longer than me, um, it, it, I think it's something that you can either do comfortably or you can't. It's not a sin if you can't, but it's just your personality embraces it. And you are comfortable to speak in front of a thousand people or one one person. That, uh, you, uh, I quite like sharing with other people. I'm, I've met some wonderful, wonderful people throughout the years at these uh, engagements and it's incredible you know that's why i think i enjoy television the medium i think it's powerful i I love live television i'm not a fan of recordings i think it's boring because live television is honest you know you shoot from the hip and if you leave it out there it's out there you you can't take it back 
Yeah, most certainly. Um, but now what you're doing on stage is giving people advice as to how to get to the top, whether you're recounting your own story, you're talking about stuff that people can use in their own particular sense as well. Um, if it changes one person's life, then, hey, we've done a great job at one level, as you say, in my mind. Um, you know, d- d- you're obviously super qualified in telling people what it takes to be successful. And I love all that sort of positivity that comes out from within you, Kovas. Oh, thanks, buddy. I, I think it's, as you know, again, you know, it's if you can share with somebody else and you can give them actual real life experience, which is things they can relate to, which makes much more sense than just jumping up and down on stage and get the Oaks to jump up and down and, and pump themselves up and they leave. And then it's all, it all sort of deflates. But if you give them some real food, some real substance that they can relate to, and they say, oh, is that why that happened? Now I understand. Is, is that how you guys won that? Or is that how uh, that person overcome that ex- uh, extreme tragedy in life if they can relate it's so much more real and so much more powerful i mean i, I remember a book that came out i think it was four or five years ago now uh, ross van rinnen's book that was called something about from the locker room to the boardroom and he looked at a lot of former rugby players who'd gone forward and, and and sports people who'd moved forward into the arena you were on the cover of that book if i remember correctly i've got a copy somewhere in my uh, somewhere in my in my uh, library at home um did, when you look at yourself on the cover of a book like that you know, does it still surprise you or is it something that feels quite comfortable nowadays? Yeah, it's a, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a privilege if people want to, want, to, want to use it as an example again. And uh, uh, it's something, you know, that um, I'm proud about it. But it's also, you know, it also teaches you to keep your feet on the ground because uh, there's a lot of people out there with massive talent in life, but they never materialize. Uh, that talent for lots of reasons, you know, a lot of that may be a lack of confidence, maybe, uh, they don't believe in themselves, uh, and never use the opportunities. But, um, it, it, you mentioned that book of Ross, you know, it's a very interesting book. And, and there's a, it's just a worthwhile book to buy because there's a lot of great life lessons in there. Yeah, I think so too. As, and also a very good thing to do is for people to book you, Corbus, live for events, um, all across the region. Where do they find you in the minute or so that we've got left? Cause 15 minutes literally flies by. It's ridiculous that we don't have more time. Um, especially well, with great guests <laughs> like you. Where do people find Corbus Visa and get well, more information on you? Well, there's a, they can go, there's various websites. They can contact my office. There's a lot of agents like yourself that, that they can get hold of. You know, there's so many to, 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 to name, but I mean, uh, I can give maybe if you want uh, my office number or a, a email address, uh, they can send me one. It's not a, it's they're more than welcome. You know, my office number is uh, 016-340-8300. And then uh, my mail address uh, directly to me is quibusvisa, one word, atlantic.net. Kubusvisa Atlantic.net. Atlantic.net. I mean, there you go. You've got a legend's email address right here for no cost whatsoever. Please don't spam the man. Kubusvisa Atlantic.net. Make sure that you're only sending him something that really is valuable to you and him. And don't do all that kind of nasty stuff with spam. Because I get that, Corbus, with Michael Jackson. You can imagine the kind of thing. I'm going to get Chinese people because my phone number's on my website. Phoning me at three in the morning going, Michael Jackson, you sing me a song. I hate I hate that crap, man. Honestly, you must you must just do the thriller ones. They'll never for you. Oh my goodness! And I tell you what, you've been a thriller as well. Thank you for being on my show, sir. Time is against us. I've got to say goodbye, but a real joy having you, Corbus. And look forward to seeing you on stage somewhere soon, my friend.
Thanks, my buddy. Anytime. You're welcome. Uh, all the very best. And you've been listening to In Conference with Michael Jackson, with the legend that is Corbus Visa. That's the caliber of person you meet right here on Cliff Central from me and Corbus. Thanks for listening. See you at the next podcast. Goodbye for now. Cliffcentral.com.